0: Welcome to the Modernizer Dive Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the ColdFusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to Modernizer Dive Podcast, CFML News Edition. It's the 100th episode. So we've got a brand new layout here for those watching the video, and we've got Not one, not two, but four hosts this week. So in a box, we got Luis Mahana, the box creator himself. (laughs) Pretty appropriate he's in a box. Yep. And then Brad, because we're always trying to keep him quiet, we shoved him in a box too.
1: Wait, this is where I do the mime thing?
0: (laughs) Almost. And then, uh, of course, we got Eric Peterson and myself, Gavin Pickin. So, uh, yeah, we're excited to make it to 100 episodes. But first, Luis, let's thank our sponsor.
2: Ooh, I get to thank myself. So thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, for everybody at Orto Solutions, actually. So we, are, we put, put this podcast together, and I can't believe it's 100 episodes. Uh, so congrats to you as well, Gavin, for your consistency, your discipline on this. And uh, it's just been an amazing ride. So we thank for all the stuff that we do. That we put out there, we all. I'll just ask that you guys support us. Uh, we do a lot of stuff that is open source, a lot of stuff that is uh, free. But please subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm um, gonna know somebody's gonna put the link there uh, right now in a little bit. Uh, also, we have our our CFcast platform that Mr. Eric Peterson in the Bottom Square uh, is the mastermind behind. So please give us a subscription there. Uh, we have our new book, the 102 callbox Tips. We have our Forge Box, uh pro accounts and of course we have our patronage uh bronze packages which you can get pretty much all of them in one shot so uh we love that you guys support us and we can still pump out lots of open source and free stuff for everybody to use and build their 50
0: so brad uh patreon supporters also make up a big part of making this podcast possible right
1: that's what the show notes tell me, Gavin. I have it on good authority that we have 36 Patreon supporters or patrons as they're called by the kids these days, um, providing 83% of funding. That's just a, a number I pulled out of the show notes just now um, for the podcast. So that's uh, excellent because each of those patrons help make um, all 100 of these podcast episodes possible. So we definitely um, love our Patreon supporters. And if you love our podcast, uh, what we do for the community, then consider chipping in Um our, uh, our our bronze patron supporter uh, level is a very very tasty support level because it gives you access to uh forgebox pro accounts and cfcast content as well as the warm fuzzy feeling that warms the cockles of your heart that you're helping support this podcast never
0: shenanigans cool cool yeah we do thank everyone of you and at the end of the show we'll uh go through and thank each and every one of you personally. And yeah, we do definitely thank you for your support. Um, Because without it, we wouldn't all be here. Okay, so let's get into the news. So I think the most important news this week is that uh, we made it to 100 episodes. So uh, obviously... You know, we thank our sponsors, and we wanted to thank you, because without you supporters, you listeners, you watchers, uh, we wouldn't be able to get here. Uh, we wouldn't do it for nobody, trust me. We like to hear ourselves talk, but not that much. So, uh, you know, we wanted to give a little bit back. So what we have is we have a little raffle today. So for those watching live right now on YouTube, there's a special little bonus for you. So if you get the the trivia questions we're gonna post. If you go and get the trivia questions right, you go into a drawer for two of our five packages uh, that'll go today. So basically what we're doing is we got a little Otis trivia. We're gonna share that show notes and Eric has done it right now. So there's five questions, multiple choice questions. And if you get them all right, you go in the drawer for one of our Box Life swag packages. So our Box Life store has some pretty cool content on it. And so we've got these little swag packages we're gonna give out. And what we're doing is we're giving away five, but two of them will be available for those who are watching live to say thank you for those who tune in every week to chat and heckle us from the live chat. So if you guys fill that out today, then you go into the drawer for the two. Um, and then basically if anyone else who fills it out before next week's show, then you go into the drawer for the other three. So... Uh, those watching live get a chance for the two and then the other three as well. So I'm not sure exactly what's going to be in those swag packages, but there's some pretty cool hoodies, there's hats, all sorts of stuff up on our Box Life store. So uh, go and basically, yeah, try and answer those trivia questions and uh, you might be able to win. So I'm just going to pull it up here for those who are watching. And so the questions for those who are interested, and you can obviously find these online, but one of the questions is, in what operating systems do our AMIs work? Uh, what are our orders extensions? What operating systems do our CMS support? And then what does the modernizing, modernization package include and how much does it cost? And then what are our four Forgebox additions? So all these questions are available, you can get all the answers on top of the, you know, the order site, but uh, fill out the questionnaire, go into the drawer, and then uh, yeah, you can have some cool box swag. And obviously we need photos, proof that you received it and uh so we can share it as well. For so, science. Yeah, for science. But yeah, so I'm kinda curious, uh Luis, do you even know what's in the swag team or is our marketing team uh keep that secret from you too?
2: They have kept it secret, so I have no idea what they are gonna be giving away. Hope <laughs> oh, it's not any of my own swag. <laughs> They're
1: breaking into your house and stealing stuff out of your office, man.
2: I know.
0: <clears throat> too funny.
1: Okay. All right. Next up, um, our next news and event. Uh, congratulations to Mark Takata, the new Adobe Cold Fusion Technical Evangelist. Now, you may know Mark, um, but if you just followed him online, he goes by the Twitter handle. Uh, Fat Panther is the name that's been on there. I think he might have a new Twitter account now. It's actually his his real name, but uh, I didn't know his real name for years until I actually met him in person at an Adobe event. So, Fat Panther slash Mark Ducato, we haven't really had a an evangelist for cold fusion in a while. Um, Alicia filled that role for a bit, even though it wasn't her full time uh, gig, but she's moved on to a different team. And so uh, Mark stepped in. So there's a post on the cold fusion um, community portal that talks about that. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and I don't know what all he has in pl- uh, plan, but I know that he's very active in the community. So it would be interesting to see um, what Mark is up to. And hopefully we'll have some in-person events um, going on
0: soon and we'll be able to congratulate him in person as well. Yep, he did already tweet a few things out saying he's meeting the engineers and it's awesome to see how it all works behind the scenes and, and everything. So he's diving into it. So it's working out pretty good so far. But yeah, it's nice to That's see. It.
2: I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited to have another Cool evangelist. It's always great when you pump in new blood Uh, into anything that you do. I think he's going to bring new perspectives. He's going to bring new ideas. Um, So I'm really looking forward um, to see how he's going to be treating his role. So uh, I really like this.
0: Cool. So next up, Luis, you have something important to announce as well.
2: Ooh, yes. So uh, Callbox 6.4.0 has been released today. Very, very, very <laughs> excited about the release. Uh, and the whole team has been working hard, giving input on, all, on this one. It feels more like a major release, to tell you the truth, than a minor one. Uh, and mostly because of the amount of work that uh, everybody has done in order to get all the asynchronous package really stable. And we've been introducing scheduled tasks. This is uh, one of the major, major features. Uh, Let us see if we can get a link into this here uh, for this release. And I think this is a, a game changer, especially for, for Fusion, that we've never had you know, a library to do this type of stuff uh, for you. So it, it brings a, a fresh new look and a more of a fluent and human approach to actually scheduling tasks, uh, not only in Callbox. So I, I, I want to always make that clear because uh, we always get the same question. is like, oh, you always have to use Callbox for stuff. But no, uh, we have all these libraries are standalone, Wirebox, cashbox, Logbox. Uh, you can use them in any any co-fusion application okay? legacy modern whatever you can use them with any other framework okay? and that's what we wanted we wanted to bring the power of scheduling tasks to any CoFusion application obviously if you use callbox you get a lot more goodies a lot more benefits right so um oh, here's the link let's see here or on, unless somebody else already
0: posted, already shared it all
2: right good so yeah, very, very excited about it. I would to do a lot of research on scheduling tasks on multiple frameworks, uh, such as Laravel, um, such as Quasar, um, as well as uh, Quartz uh, for Java, Spring Boot. So uh, basically it's an amalgamation of tons of different frameworks from different languages and bringing it to a very own dynamic language. And uh, very, very excited about the results in true HMBC or hierarchical fashion. Every module as well in Cobox can get have its own scheduler uh, that does not affect the main global application scheduler. So it builds on top of the HMBC constructs in Cobox if you are using the Cobox scheduled tasks. So this is going to be also fantastic for module developers, <laughs> Eric Peterson, uh, because uh, you now have the ability to do all these work queues and tasks and executors all at the module level. And uh, it can, they could can just be brought in via command box and now boom you have all types of scheduling going on in your apps
0: very very cool well, I'm excited to see that schedule tasks no we wanted to make content box uh, you know do certain things and that's the the basis for a lot of these new features is CodeBox. you know it gives you all the the plumbing to do everything you need so, yeah and
2: this comes because of the content box uh, build that we're doing right we need it for image processing right so when you upload an image you can actually split out all the different permutations of an image, right? We actually want to do comment, uh, moderations on different threads. We want to do our security monitors on threads. So the whole framework needed to be in place in order for us to continue with the content box releases.
0: Very cool. Okay, Brad, it sounds like Pete has some very important information because apparently JDK releases after today, are going to have a big impact on, uh, on some crypto roadmap stuff.
1: Yeah, I saw that. So uh, this is a uh, Pete Freitag who uh, shared an article on this, and there's a lot of uh, things that have been deprecated um, in Java or are about to be deprecated. So it looks like uh, the OpenJDK crypto roadmap states that TLS version one and one point one will be disabled in Open JDK releases by default after uh, April twentieth, twenty twenty one. So that's today, right? Yeah. Yep. Saying. So- um so anyway, uh, that's an interesting um, thing. What was funny is I actually just ran into this somewhat recently. I don't know if there's this specific deprecation, but uh, you would think like, well, who uses T- you know TLS version 1 at this rate? Um, we just had a client somewhat recently that had an issue just moving from um, Java 8 to Java 11, where they were interacting with a really old you know LDAP uh, server active directory. And it was like, I don't know, I think it was like Windows 2008 or something, but whatever, it, it wanted to still use TLS uh, version 1.0. And, you know, the newer version of Java would refuse to to connect to that particular version without having some settings changed. So uh, that I, I can imagine that tripping people up if they have some old servers, Windows servers floating around their infrastructure that may default to some of those older TLS versions. So um, something to be aware of for sure, since that's basically... Upon us the next time you upgrade Java, you may be surprised by that. Yeah, and thanks to Pete for keeping us uh, aware of these things as well.
0: Yeah, and he did also give you a way to to re-enable it if you need to, um, or you know try to. But obviously, it depends on how you're using it, how you're connecting to other things. And um, but yeah, as always, Pete on top of the security stuff and Java stuff. So very good to see that. Cool. It looks like we had another little update for a spreadsheet library uh we get these yeah, a this lot is
3: the, this is the lucy spreadsheet library and you're right we've had a, a few releases even just this, this year i think we're up to four or five um this is the one by C of simplicity or julian uh lost his last name <laughs> <Hallowell>, <laughs> but, uh, i think hallowell yes so this one adds support for header and footer images in your spreadsheet as well as uh, hyperlinks in there, so <clears throat> you can pick that up right now. Uh, version two dot eighteen.
0: Yep, he's actually got two dot eighteen dot two out already, and two eighteen dot one. But yeah, you can see looking at the tags. I mean, March twelfth was seventeen, March ninth, sixteenth. So it's on a pre- pretty regular schedule. So uh, definitely keeping up to it. And I think did he actually rename it? No, he he calls it the Lucy spreadsheet in GitHub but it actually does work on Adobe ColdFusion too. So that's why when you post stuff on Twitter sometimes he just calls it the spreadsheet library. So
3: Yeah, yeah, on the readme it's a spreadsheet library for Lucy and then in parentheses and Adobe ColdFusion. So
0: Yep. <laughs> Very cool. Well, next up, we have some interesting news. Uh, Might be a bit of a love-hate relationship here, but Adam Cameron is joining the CFML Slack again. Be warned. I so. already
1: have an unread message <laughs> where he's tagged me in the testing channel. I was going to look at it after the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, I like
2: uh, Adam, man. I don't know what people say about him. I, I, I do like Adam. I, I've met him in person in several conferences, and I've always enjoyed uh, talking with him. I know he's super extremely opinionated, but hey. Uh, I think everybody is at a certain point, but uh, I've always had a very respectful relationship with him. And I actually do love his bug reports when he does them to us because they are to the line. I mean, I think one of the best and this is not throwing anything for him or kissing his butt or anything. It's uh, I really enjoy his his uh, his uh, bug reports because they're very detailed oriented. Uh, I can pinpoint exactly when things go on or reproduce them and stuff like that. So I really enjoy that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I mean, he's always very detailed. I mean, and to be honest, without him, Adobe probably wouldn't have half the bugs that they've fixed fixed because they wouldn't have known about him because for a long time we thought he was their tester because every time, I mean, even when he wasn't working with ColdFusion, he'd be the one in there adding all the bugs and stuff and testing it. And we jokingly told them that they should hire him because I mean, <laughs> he was basically doing their job for them. I mean, they put him on a panel at Adobe CF Summit a few years ago and everything, too. But anyway, um, but yeah, over the last year and whatnot, or last few years, he's been working with, uh, you know, away from cold fusion and he's just got a new job starting i think today um with the uh, easy debits easy direct debits and their cold fusion shop and so you'll see in the blog section we got quite a few blogs and they're obviously they're adam style he's got a bit of an opinion but as you say like he a lot of the time he's pretty spot on or close to it and um you know he may call people out for stuff but sometimes you got to think Maybe that's a good reason. So, and he likes testing. So, I know you're going to like him, Luis. So, but he's uh, yeah. he's, he's back. And so, uh, yeah.
2: And actually, he was actually I saw that there was a big going back and forth about the whole includes thing, right? About you know that the you know the whole web starts and especially for like say for coldbox templates. So it was a little inspiring. So this morning I actually took a whack at it and I actually created a new template called Modern and it's all there in GitHub right now. I'm testing it out right now. Uh, it's a new modern approach to it. So I'll give you the link here. Uh, so this is basically brings out a new uh, template approach where uh, you have a dub, dub, dub completely separate and then all your assets uh, in different positions. So thanks for inspiring that. Here you go.
0: Yeah, and that was one of the tweets Adam mentioned and he wasn't calling out ColdBox. box. He was pr- just talking in general but he was hinting at some of the frameworks. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people have publicly accessible files and then all their other files are not. And so that that got us talking about it. And, you know, we have a lot of things in Coldbox that stop, you know, security wise from being able to access files. They shouldn't be able to in the in the web root, et cetera. And but anyway, so Luis yeah. has already got so a new library. Still working on it, but it's
2: still it's, it's, it's there. I'm just putting my work in progress there. but. Uh... I've, I've been actually doing this for Content Box, believe it or not. So, Gavin, uh, a new layout for it because now we have actual binaries for Content Box. Uh, so, I've been tinkering around with a kind of a new approach um, to kind of do with that separation as well. And, you know, I think with Brad, we've always talked about this. we just never done it. I think we've always been like, uh, yeah, it's possible, but we've never done it.
3: So, Luis, yeah. Uh, yeah, you might want to make that uh, Git repo public if you want other people to look at it.
1: Oh, wah, so why wah, does always, sad trombone well, sound.
2: Why does it always, oh, is it because new new ones are always, huh, I guess new new repositories are being created as private now. I don't know.
0: I knew that. I guess because they added that private is free, that maybe they default to it. Oh, Who knows?
2: Interesting. How about now, Eric? Can you check? Looks good. All right. This
0: live it. coding
1: session of Ordis brought to you by our <laughs> Patreon supporters.
2: Yeah, I already detected a bug. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Eric. I already
0: saw a bug. <laughs> I'm talking about live coding and testing, uh, Brad. You need more tests for Command Box 5.3. Where are we at with that release?
1: Yeah, so I sent out a tweet earlier. the The development's been closed down for Command Box 5.3, um, but we we broke a lot of crap during development, so just kind of letting all those bugs shake out. Um, before I pull the trigger on the release, so I had tweeted out a um, a link to the download page to uh, grab the, the 5.3 um, alpha builds. Eric asked me if I was going to cut a release candidate. I, I don't necessarily want to, it's just, it just takes time, and it would be the exact, thing, the exact same code that's in the 5.3 alpha release, um, so I don't know if it'll actually make a separate release candidate, as long as there's nothing else that comes out in the next week or so, I'll probably go ahead and, and cut the release. But if you have a chance, please uh, give that a try. I'll have uh, the release notes typed up soon that talks about what's different. If you have access to our JIRA account, you should be able to see all the JIRA tickets labeled with a release version of 5.3. Um, there's actually quite a few fun things in this one, including um, HTTP2 support and some new convenience methods to redirect your site over to SSL if you're you know, doing a, a public site using HTTPS, um, there's some super cool stuff from Scott Steinbeck uh, giving full uh, JQ functionality baked in the command box. Ooh, um, in fact, Luis talking about the new scheduled task functionality was all part of the Async manager. That's mm-hmm. also baked into this version of command box and we're already using it in the command box core. So when you do an install and we're kind of redrawing the screen with the progress, that's all now powered by a new console painter class, which is powered by this Async Manager stuff, which even allows me to do some fun little animation Easter eggs you might you might see. So download the 5.3 Alpha, see if you can find those little visual Easter eggs on the screen. Um, let me know if, if you find anything that we broke that I haven't already found and fixed because we broke a lot of crap <laughs> during this development <laughs> cycle. And uh, as long as that looks stable, I'll get, I'll get that out the door soon.
2: we got a just update to the latest Wirebox
0: cool so
2: yeah I think that we'll, we'll, for next for next release we got a plan on the command box uh, operating system scheduler Brad
1: yes yeah, so that's something we've, we've talked about for a while is being able to just schedule things natively inside a command box using you know like the lucy schedule tasks really doesn't work very well since those are heavily dependent on the the web administrator and so Luis has been working on some super cool, um, you know, fluent DSLs for the the, the box scheduled tasks, so pretty sweet. All right, who's got the next one?
3: That's me, and in case you missed it, we had a VS Code live stream about the VS Code notebooks. Um, I found this interesting because I kind of thought notebooks was just a Python thing. Um, Like I've heard of the Jupyter notebooks, but it seems to be um, in more, it's kind of an open API for more languages. Uh, Basically, a notebook is a markdown file that can also have advanced like little applets embedded. So you can have code samples that can be ran and the result printed out to the screen, things like that. So it's a good um, kind of like scratch pad. I think Swift has them called playgrounds. You know, it's it's a mix of code and and documentation around it to play around with some stuff. That's
0: so cool. I haven't
3: been able to see if there's anything for like that we can get, C F M L in there, but they do have H T M L, so we're we're close. <laughs>
1: So I I had worked with Jupyter Notebooks back when it first came out, trying to get Lucy to run on it. And there was an adapter for Jupyter that did JSR-223, but Lucy's server didn't implement one of the JSR-223 methods that was required to plug into that adapter. And I spent like eight hours on it. it was like, nobody's paying me to do this. I don't, I don't want to spend any more time on it. But it'd be interesting to see what it would take to plug into this VS Code thing with CFML.
3: Well you should watch this recording Brad and then you will know.
1: I should probably require as an LSP I'm guessing. Everybody anyway, is that right LSP the
3: language server protocol. Yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah language server protocol. I'm guessing is probably what it uses which of course also doesn't exist.
0: Not yet, yet. Brad. That, not that yet. falls in the
1: bucket of something I could probably create but it takes would take enough of my time unless someone's paying me I'm probably not going to do it.
3: <laughs> You're here to hear first. <laughs> new patreon the sponsor brad creating an lsp for cult fusion
0: it would solve a few problems for sure <laughs> hey brad what do we got next
1: what do we got next we have an adobe webinar series gavin that's what we got next uh api creation and management i think we um had touched on this uh a couple weeks ago so uh the show notes say going it is ongoing the show notes say, Cool Fusion developers, do you want a first hand look at publishing APIs securely and at scale? Yes, yes, we do. Then mark your calendars for Brian Sapi's upcoming webinars. So, seven part series. Um, it says it gives you a 360 degree view. I'm not sure what that means. Like, you can spin around in your chair and see all the code. Um, possibly. So, anyway, the webinars are on um, what we got March 24th, 25th, April 28th, 29th may 12th and 13th and may 24th i see all these dates here um so mark your calendars on those and there's a link here that looks like it's just put in, put in the chat to the cold fusion community portal with more information on those and i think he like we talked about the first time this came up i think he's he's covering creating basic apis for the cold fusion and then using the api manager as well um to lock down and secure those and stuff so should be a pretty cool um session uh we should do our own like tag on sessions that are like but with coldbox
3: <laughs> <laughs> i do that'll All be right. our tag for everything whenever somebody has a cold fusion topic we'll just say right. but with coldbox
1: <laughs> including including,
3: sir, but do you have any coldbox
0: the, api but of course
3: getting getting started with coldbox but with coldbox <laughs>
0: Yep, and the recordings of the first couple are available. We have a, a link for that, too, so you can get to the, the recording page, and we'll share that as well. So, cool. And then, Luis, you also had a webinar last week um, with the online CF meetup. How'd that go?
2: It was great, man. It was uh, it was pushing me, actually, to do all the scheduled task stuff. and uh, But scheduled task is just a, a little, a, you know, it's a big part, but it's a subset of the asynchronous package in, in, in Callbox. And uh, it was great. Uh, I, I love doing this session. Uh, when I started out at the beginning, obviously, and nothing worked on the, on the new command box. and I was like, "What did Brad do?" Yes. Uh, and then it was my bug. But uh, it was very, very interesting uh, to you know to work with this type of, of, of projects because it, it's so different than the normal things. Because you don't see anything, right? You can't use dump uh You're in a synchronous land. And um, obviously it's a, it's a little challenging at the beginning, but we've tried our best in our API to make it really uh, easy to get working with it. And it went great. Uh, the recordings are up in CFCAST as well. And I definitely, definitely encourage folks to to try it out, to see the power of asynchronous and parallel programming. All these constructs are available to us. We can do non-blocking operations. I mean, and this is not new. This has been around in Coldbox 6.0, which was released last year. So You know, we have all this ability in Fusion to do parallelization, to do uh, synchronous tasks, to do all the the goodies and the things that all the other languages claim that they have, we have them. So it's just a matter of people who actually start working with them and getting comfortable with them.
1: And as developers on a JVM language, like this is what makes JVM languages super powerful is is the threading capabilities. So. As Cold fusion developers, I think, you know, we're missing out by not really tapping into this stuff. And what's great, Luis, is that, I mean, you didn't write all the stuff from scratch. You're just yeah. exposing the, the, the native stuff in the JDK, which is super powerful.
2: Exactly. I mean, it would have been definitely an ordeal to do it from scratch. But the JDK introduced, I mean, I think since JDK 8, the JDK has been just uh, amazing at introducing several, several feature sets. I want to call amazing the names of things because some of the names that they always use are just so dumb. But uh, but you're right. I mean, the tremendous amount of work that has gone into the JDK to make it modern is impressive, and uh, we just wanted to tap into that and bring fluency into Confusion. And obviously, we you know being a dynamic language, we do all the translation layers for you between you know strong type and loosely type. So you can work with queries, you can work with arrays, you can work with structs, uh, and we do all those conversions for you. I mean, we even had tests where, you know, this asynchronous packages are way, 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 but way faster than any of the synchronous constructs out of the CFML engines themselves. So uh, we've done a lot of performance testing on this and a lot of of, of hardcore adaptation. So, so it can work with any CFML engine, modern CFML engine that is,
0: very cool. And then you have another webinar this week because you just couldn't get enough, right?
2: Oh, Lord. The panic monster has set in <laughs> like crazy. So, yeah. So, we're going to be doing a, a content box uh, webinar this, this week. If I say I'm not ready, Paulina might have a, <laughs> some type of shock, but I'm ready, Paulina. I'm ready. Uh, so, that's why I did the Coolbox 6.4 <laughs> release today. And uh, we're gonna be working with Abilio this afternoon on, on all the little tickets that were left off. And hopefully what we want is to have uh, either a release candidate by the time we do the webinar or beta two. I'm not sure if we're gonna still call it beta or go into full release candidate mode, but um, we are doing lots of strides in, in content box uh, lots of features already, but we have more. We have more coming, especially for the headless uh, CMS uh, feature set We also have John Clausen, which has done a tremendous work to migrate to use uh, GUIDs. So a lot of our infrastructure and architecture decisions that we're doing to to move the project even forward for the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, So very, very excited about where we're going and where we're headed with ContentBox. Very
0: cool. And then last but not least out of our new section uh, that 102 Coldbox HMVC Quick tics, t- Tips and Tricks uh, is out on Gumroad, um, and it's cool to see you guys who have read it um, posting your tweets saying what you learned from it or uh, and whatnot, because it's kind of cool to see. I'll see a lot of people have been using Coldbox for a long time, and they're still learning something from that. So I just wonder when uh, what what Quick Tips book are we going to do next, Louise? Because that Coldbox book covered a little bit of everything, didn't it?
2: It did. I mean, the, it, my intent was to cover, you know, obviously box, but all the supporting libraries for Wirebox, Patchbox, Lockbox, even Commandbox. So hey, you stole some of my
1: thunder. How am I going to do a, cold, a command box one now, man? Yeah. No,
2: that, that's copy what I'm going to say right now. I think the next one should be a command box tips book.
1: It's, it's only going to be like 50 because that's all I can think of because Luis took the rest, you know.
2: No, no worries. We, we can borrow from the uh-huh. other ones. Uh-huh.
1: Say copy right paste, man. Copy but paste. <laughs> you,
2: you, you've heard it here. Brad has committed. He just said yes. Oh so,
1: dang!
0: Hundred and three command <laughs> box tips. I trees. think that would be
1: great. The problem is I'm mostly in an outsider's perspective because I take for granted a lot of little things that I use. I'm like, oh, I thought everybody does that. So <laughs>
2: that, that, that's when you start getting all into these tips because you're thinking about, oh, but I use this all the time, but maybe nobody knew about, it, right? So it's
0: yeah. How it happens? It's going to be fifty well, on the the boat train. It,
2: will it be hundred and two command box tips? So it'll be hundred
1: and three because <laughs> I'm gonna ah, I'm gonna show you up by one.
2: OK. I like that. So <laughs> You've heard it gauntlet. here. It will be 103 <laughs> command box quick tips
0: and tricks. Very cool. See, and I'm just
3: excited to write the quick, quick tips and tricks, mostly because <laughs> it will confuse everybody.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, who's on first?
3: <laughs> exactly.
0: OK, so next up, we've got our CFCast content update. And let's uh, let Eric talk about that.
3: Thank you. So we had a couple things dropped this week. We talked about Luis's webinar, To the Future with CB Futures. It is in what might be my favorite logo for a series. And I can't even pronounce it. What is it, Luis? Would it be Ordecian Talks? It's an artushan. artushan? Artushan Talks? Anyways, it looks awesome. Um, <laughs> so even All if you right, want to watch the, the webinar, which you should, you should just go look at the <laughs> series artwork. Um, <clears throat> also we have a couple new videos in our command box zero to hero, additional server information, and JVM and Java. One last piece of info is we are currently recording now out of the um, the planning stages and recording the logbox one on one course as well as our using DocBox course. So look for those coming soon.
0: Very cool. Okay, so next up conferences. So last week, uh April 14th, we had the ViewConf. And in case you missed it, they are releasing videos in the next couple of weeks, they said. Um they're gonna be released as part of the ViewMastery.com website. Um so they have previous ViewConf up there. Uh and there's a couple of weekends, I think, this month where they're doing free content on Viewmastery.com. So if you're looking for some good free content, uh go check that out as well. But uh, ViewConf, it looked really amazing. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. I have to watch more videos, I admit. I did not get to see it all. I had to actually do some work, too. But uh, it looked like a good event, uh, as usual. And, yeah, so we will but- share the share the update when we actually see the videos published there as well, just to let you know.
3: You you probably you actually didn't miss a ton, Gavin, because they had some problems on their streaming platform. Oh. Um, I guess having three thousand people trying to watch concurrently uh caused some issues. So like the keynote itself was not um streamed well. I think they're planning to redo that live as well as release the recording. So
1: Who would have known that that many live users could bring down a system?
3: So So yeah, so you might not have missed anything depending on what you wanted to watch.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's good to know. I felt bad because I was actually working. <laughs> okay, Brad, what else do we have going on? Isn't there one going on today? Um, there's
1: nothing going on. It's all done. Everything's finished. There's no more things. Wait, no, here's one. I just found one. Redisconf twenty twenty one. Um, so that's actually today and tomorrow, so you are missing it. You're missing all of it. Um right now. Yeah, right now. It's a log off this podcast. No, wait till we're done. So this is a virtual (laughs) event um, today and tomorrow. Uh, It says, discover the power of real-time data. Join us at RedisConf 2021. Um, So hearing from the Redis community, customers, industry experts, I haven't looked at a ton of the sessions, but I know there's a lot of cool-looking stuff the last time I was in here. Um, And also, don't forget the $100,000 hackathon, which I have yet to actually think about other than the fact that Gavin and I talk about it every week. In the uh, in the podcast, but anyway, so if you're using Redis or you thinking about using Redis, uh, check out the Redis Comp sessions, which you're currently missing. Ooh, look, Heimdall Data's doing is a sponsor. They've uh, presented for our uh, um, Orders Developer Week before. It's kind of cool. It's always fun when you scroll through and you recognize some of the some of the speakers and sponsors. That's it.
3: We got another one coming up on April 28th through 30th. It's the Atlassian Teams Conference. So, if you use any of the Atlassian products, this is the successor to Atlassian Summit. We'll put a link to that in the show notes.
0: Yep. And then, uh, coming up in May, May 12th and 13th, we have an online free one from AWS, the AWS Summit Online Americas. So, uh, this one's a, a great, great conference. And uh, it's a good starting point if you're wanting to learn about what AWS can offer. And you can pick out of one of the three million services they do have and learn a bit more about that. Um, so I like the fact they have some hands on labs and workshops as well as just intro sessions and. As I, I usually mention to most people, like they have amazing swag usually in person. But the thing I really like is when you go to the, the sessions, they tell you stories of how they actually used it. And that's where I really got a lot out of that conference because you know, just different approaches to things that I wouldn't normally do. Um so it's a really good conference and um it's online and free. And you can sign up at aws.amazon.com and uh, they should have other other versions for the other places other than Americas. So, uh, if you're in a different time zone, you can look for those as well. So,
2: uh, next we have DockerCon. So May 27th. So month and change. Uh, be interesting as well. Always free uh, virtual event. Uh, paste the link here on the, on the chat as well. But uh, we went to that one in San Francisco, you remember, Gavin. And it was fantastic. It was, a, it was a brain melt For sure. So it'll be interesting to see all the new stuff that they're coming up with DockerCon. Uh, I want to see more Docker Swarm roadmaps. Yep. That's what I'm excited
0: about. No more cube. We don't like the cube. Think out of the box, <laughs> right?
3: <laughs> you know, I saw Portainer put out on their Twitter this week That most of the people using Portainer are still using Swarm over Kubernetes, or I think they even support one other option. But like Swarm is Portainer
1: actually liked. Is a Portainer actually liked a tweet of mine earlier? I was joking about how we use Swarm for life. So
0: yeah, I know they did go and do all the work to put Kubernetes in, but yeah, they, they don't have the pickup that they thought they would. Which I guess a lot of those Kubernetes things each each own system that has Kubernetes has their own flavors and, you know, add on products and systems. So I wonder if they're just, yeah, using I've always tools. assumed a lot of the Kubernetes things kind of already had their own visualizer mm-hmm.
1: where, you know, with Docker swarm is more of a necessity to grab something like portainer to give you a nice UI, but I don't know, but Kubernetes is a little tricky because you know, all the major cloud providers kind of have their own flavor of it. It's always Kubernetes on Google cloud engine or Kubernetes on, AWS or kubernetes on IBM I, I can't even say it without getting tongue twisted but mm-hmm. anyway
0: yep exactly So next up Luis we have some conferences for orders coming up later this year too
2: yeah so we should start our couple speakers pretty soon here we're reaching April end of April starting May. So we're targeting September for Into the Box. We still have not decided if this is going to be in person or not, obviously as as the pandemic progresses. I know, especially here in Texas, the the whole vaccination thing is very, very advanced. So everything's back to normal here from more than a few months ago. So it is, I mean, they're already doing events here locally. So I, I don't know. I think we have to respond to that, but I think for our international friends, Will be very, very difficult still. So uh, I think we might just uh, leave it as a, as a virtual, but we're still in decision mode. And then ITV Latam in El Salvador in December 2021. Uh, again, God willing, we, we're going to have the ability to actually be there in person uh, by December. Uh, if not, obviously it would be virtual, but we're going to have to make those decisions pretty soon here.
3: So I take a cue. This is Kind of tongue-in-cheek, but from Disney, their latest Marvel movie announcement will be only in theaters in September, so at least Disney thinks we can all go <laughs> back to places in September. <laughs> sure. so, there you go. Yeah. Like, take like I said, it from it, the, what you will.
2: Maybe. Uh, there's already tons of events happening here in Texas. Uh, outside but, events. Uh, so if
1: you're listening events, and you're capable and willing to come to Texas for an in-person into the box, maybe you should let us know you're like
2: do it yeah. we'll be there we'll have a vaccination booth on the back
1: <laughs> come in <laughs> get your shot in the arm go into your session <laughs> i've had 18 doses this week <laughs> no more for brad no more
2: doses
1: for brad <laughs> oh, man. My, my, my syringe is just full of caffeine is, is all it is
2: and matcha green tea as P- we it's just a placebo this morning
0: Yeah, and that's uh, Scott just mentioned in the chat. He still has his airline miles. So if you did sign up for uh, Into the Box last year and you had airline miles, they extended them till December and then most of them extended them till May. So um, you may need to go and uh, remind them that you still can't travel and they maybe will extend it some more. So that way you can use them in September if we do have it. Because otherwise they're probably about to expire. So just remember that. I gotta call up and make sure mine get pushed back some more too. So unless Luis wants us to use them all this week. All
3: right. <laughs> uh, uh, finally, if you are still a, in a mood for more conferences, you can always check out our friends at Comps Tech. That you can sort by programming language, see all a bunch of new conferences, including CFML conferences.
0: Yep. So we need to get those dates finalized, Louise, so we can put it up on there. We should do that anyway. So, just yeah, put some dates on there. We can change it later, right? <laughs> so, let's get that up there. Okay. All uh, right, we're
1: gonna have to get a move on.
0: We're 45 minutes in and we're just now making it to the blogs and tweets. Oh, we got good news this week. So, good news. Good news. Okay. Well, Luis already talked about uh, point 6.4.0 being released, so I guess we don't need to talk about that too much more. So, uh, as Aww. awesome as it is, but uh, let's jump into our trusty Ben Nadal. Eric, you want to tell us about this one?
1: Oh, are you muted, Eric?
3: Yes. Um, <laughs> this one is about using the URL as a source of truth. Uh, specifically, he's talking about in a search context in Angular JS. Um, that's fine. That's int- That's a kind of an implementation detail. I love this idea of using the URL as a source of truth. Um, mostly because then a person can just come to your website via like a deep link, right? They can paste in a link and it takes you right there already configured for your search and all that. Um, this is one thing I love. I'm going to go on a tangent about inertia JS, which is that instead of like doing all the JavaScript um, client side and doing Ajax requests, you just hit the server again with your new URL, and it handles all of the, the Ajax stuff in the background. So your URL is always up to date, and I love that. So great idea. I think if you have a, like a search functionality or anything that you would want to link to directly, the URL is the perfect place to store that state instead of like, I don't know, a Vuex store or local storage or something like that.
0: Yeah, that's why I thought, you know, usually we don't talk too much about Ben's Angular post, but that one was relevant, I think, in general. So uh, pretty neat. And like I said, it it definitely is helpful when you go to a link and it just works instead of having to try and remember stuff. So very cool. And then uh, next up, we have the blog post from Adam Cameron about him starting his new job and uh, how he's checked back in. And so that explains why we have a few of his blog posts coming up here as well. So we won't go into too much detail on that one, but you'll see in the next blog post, we have Adam Cameron again, right, Luis?
2: <laughs> yeah, I see how I, I apply a feature toggle in your code. I'm reading it here. Uh, I have not read his blog post just yet. I've been busy on the Quobot release, but I definitely will take a tackle with it. Uh, you see here.
0: Yeah, so I, I like the way um, you know, he says, don't do it this way. And, you know, like sometimes we can learn from things. And so basically in his DAO, for example, they have a feature flag come in and then you're like, if this feature flag do this, I'll always do that. And basically what he's saying is that's a terrible way to do it.
3: Yeah, um, it,
2: I agree with that. I think not only, I mean, it, it works, right? It is a way to do it, but uh, it might not be as flexible. Imagine now unit testing that or doing some tests on that. Now you have to go through the both paths as well, right? So yep. I think that I think that's where dependency injection can really help out, and you know, assembling the objects according to the features as well.
0: So yeah, and that's what I think. Instead of you...
2: actually doing if statements, you actually basically do the different implementations and basically a strategy pattern uh, for for the features.
0: Yeah, and so in that way you just inject a different object which does it the right the new way instead of the old way, and uh, and so exactly. I thought that was interesting. Um, The one thing I did really like about it is, you know, he has to have his opinion, too. Uh, And um, basically, of course, you need to test your toggling. You know, if you're turning things on and off and he made a little jab at Ben here, (laughs) saying that just because you have uh, toggles doesn't mean that your code is more robust and requires less testing. because uh, I guess that's part of the Ben actually podcast. made
1: that claim though I guess I've never heard anybody said that
0: well and um, they were talked about it on the podcast this all started from the Working Code podcast and Ben was talking uh, about stuff and so Adam's having a little dig at that so anyway but uh, long story short that's that's why it was there but yeah Adam's been uh, responding to some of the Working Code <laughs> podcast things they had you know they had an episode on testing and he gave him their opinion you know his opinion on it and, and stuff and so it's pretty funny. But I, yeah, yeah, I, I, like, I, this I do like this approach.
2: The whole dependency injection strategy approaches. I mean, they're very flexible. You can switch objects at runtime, right? And as long as you adhere to, you know, to those specific interfaces for a specific feature, then you know, you can be introducing new things and toggling new things on and off and um, and testable.
0: Yep, for sure. I like the way they, they do that. And that comes from, uh, you know, Ben Adele obviously using Dockley, I think for all his feature flags and his code. So, so next up, Brad, we have another one from Adam Cameron talking about, we do. I'm actually spots. scanning
1: through it now. Cause I didn't see it when it came out. Um, I'm just noticing that I think he confused real time and user time as not what it actually means, but it depends on how, uh how slow his uh, stuff is. But anyway, yeah, he's just talking about getting a test box, um, set up with, um, inside of Docker with CF config and Lucy, uh, it looks like he probably made his life a little bit more difficult because he was using the, um, official Lucy container as opposed to using the, um, the image Docker image, which already has command box. So we had to go through some extra steps of trying to get command box installed into a container. Um, as well as config, I'm guessing, all that would have just been present if he was on the the Ordis uh, command box image. Um, this is part, we're part of the conversation of, you know, how you organize your your web route had come in because he was showing it in here how he likes to, you know, separate the public stuff from the, the executable stuff, which as we were, you know, we mentioned earlier, that kind of falls in my Mac category is, yeah, it might be slightly more secure, but um, I don't think it makes a huge difference. Um, but it can just be an organizational thing. But anyway, he's just talking about getting stuff set up. I think he was trying to run the 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 tests themselves from the command line, possibly. No, no, he was doing it in the browser. Um,
3: he was complaining know. about not being able to run it from the command line. Like, almost every other testing framework doesn't need your server up and running to run your tests. But let's uh, see if well, knows that's
1: not That's ideas. not entirely true. I mean, you can run um, tests from the command line. In fact, um, we do that with the code wars right? That's a purely command line based runner. Um, You just, we don't have anything pre-built. You would need to actually, you know, create the test box instance, pass in the arguments and, you know, run it and you'd get back, you know, an object of data that you would need to loop over and do something with. Um, The the main reason why we don't out of the box spend much time on a, a purely command line based solution to running your test is that it would lock you into the version of Lucy that was powering your CLI. You couldn't run your test in Adobe ColdFusion or on a different version of Lucy. And unfortunately, Cold Fusion servers tend to be deployed in a manner where there's you know, there's server mappings, there's special settings in ColdFusion that the app is dependent on. Um, you know, ColdFusion is very dependent on where the quote unquote web root exists. So it'd be difficult to take most, you know, applications and just run them from the command line without running into a lot of issues, which is why we typically focus on the workflow that involves starting a you know a, a traditional web server and then the CLI just hits that and gets JSON back and then renders it out. But I mean you you can run a unit test purely in the command line. You you would just need to instantiate test box and call the methods and then figure out how you wanted to output it. Um, it's just not a use case that most people uh, tend to use in the Cold Fusion world. Anyway. Yeah.
3: Uh, your other thing about real time um, versus user time, it was actually um, eating the penalty of starting a box every time.
1: Uh, right, but I think I could be wrong. I was thinking that real counts. You know how in Linux, when you have like four CPU cores, you can go up to like 400% usage, right? I assume that that was based on how many cores there was. And the user time was like the actual like amount of time that, that elapsed in like, if you had a stopwatch on it, um, I could be wrong though. But that's what mm-hmm. I was thinking. Cause the real time was 48 seconds. The user time was 10 seconds, which is why I have a feeling he has four cores. And so it was four cores, 48 seconds worth of, you know, cores if you added them up, which isn't, anything that makes any sense, but <clears throat> I could be wrong. Perhaps it took 48 seconds, but 10 seconds, Sounds much more realistic as how long it would take Box to run, and even that's fairly long. Usually, Command Box on a decently powered machine will will run something in like five seconds, which I get. It is still significantly slower than like you know the Composer CLI, but yeah, I don't I don't know what things he has in place that might be slowing that down. It's hard to say. This is also that's one the of the one of the things that one of the reasons why I don't develop locally in a container because everything's just slower. Um, I just run good old-fashioned command box on my local machine if I want to develop. And I also use the interactive shell built into command box. So I open box once, and then I run blazing fast commands all I want, as opposed to running box this, box that, box nonsense. Um, Because, yeah, that can be more annoying. Anyway.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm
1: thinking it'd be interesting to come up with just an example of running a test purely from the command line, just because like I said, I know it's possible, it's just, and I've done it, but I've never like outside of looking at what I did for the code wars, I've never documented anywhere just because I didn't think anybody would care. It wasn't even that hard. It's just a bit of a pain. It's, it's difficult to encapsulate an application from the command line, especially since command box itself has WireBox in the application scope, but that's command Box's instance of WireBox. So if you tried to boot up another, you know, ColdFusion application inside the command line, you'd probably start overlapping stuff, which would be a little bit of a pain.
2: I mean, the, the other thing, the important thing that you mentioned is that once you do that, you're stuck with the version of Lucy that you're on in the CLI because you're running it from that engine. So you're stuck with that engine. If you wanted to do that as an Adobe, you know, Uh, engine server, you just can't. You have to actually have to use an Adobe CLI, which we don't produce,
1: right? Yeah, it would be a very limited use case that it would work. Um, One thing that I've wanted to do, but I just never spent the time on it, would be, because like the REPL has this exact same quote unquote problem, if you will, in command box. You want to run the REPL, well, it's going to run against whatever version of Blue Sea is in that version of command box. Um, It'd be interesting to use the JSR223 stuff that the powers command box itself to be able to run the command box REPL and say target Lucy 5.3.8 or whatever, you know, it would use those jars. That would unfortunately slow the REPL down considerably because of the the at least the one time overhead of the JSR stuff. Um, but again, it's, it's rather difficult to fully encapsulate an application in ColdFusion just because it's not really designed that way. And it would still wouldn't allow any functionality for Adobe. I asked Adobe years ago. To implement JSR 223 like Lucy did, because that would make it way easier to be able to have a you know an Adobe Repl running inside of your Lucy Power Command Box CLI. Because at that point, it would just be class loading some jars and then tossing some code into it. But I I highly doubt that would ever happen, just because I don't think that's high on Adobe's priority list. Um, but it would, it would really open up at least abilities to do that if they did.
3: Sure. Yep.
1: Anyway,
2: and they get they get to wave the flag of supporting JSR 223.
0: So next up, we have one from Ben Nadell and Eric, is this something you've seen much with all your JavaScript work? Um, he was talking about returning search filters along with the search results, you know, so basically yeah. Ajax responses.
3: This is, this is something I've seen in the, how would I put it? In the pleasant to use APIs world, they return you this information. Um, so the idea is you've sent up search filters And the response comes back and it tells you the results, but also the search filters that you sent it. The reason that it's nice is you have one place to look at it. Also, it really helps with debugging. If you think you're sending up something and you're, you're not getting that back. So, I mean, we're not talking about a lot more data in your JSON response. It's pretty easy to do on your server side and makes it nice for your front end developers or yourself. When you're using it to see what's going on, so I think it's a, a good idea in in most cases.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it would kind of match your um, your query state, right? Basically, a lot of times mm-hmm. if it was combining the two together, but yeah, so that means if you know if you could actually cache your responses and check to see if all the keys are the same, you can probably use what you already have. i will always go get the new stuff, for example.
3: Oh, yeah, that's a good thought.
0: So. So we also have another one from Adam uh, louise So if, if someone's looking for some uh using Docker with Nginx serving up CFML via Lucy, then uh we can do that too. So
2: yeah, it's a it's a nice little guide basically of him doing this with Docker and Nginx.
0: Still so uses um, their
1: own Docker image though. Exactly. So I think that- <laughs>
2: You're hearing Adam. Just try out the the command box Docker image. We've done a tremendous amount of work with it to make things a lot simpler uh, to work with Docker. In all reality, uh, we run we've been running everything on production with Docker uh, for many 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 years now. And, and John Claus has been leading the charge on that, and uh, he's done a tremendous uh, tremendous work on it. So take a look at it.
1: i saw this post but i hadn't read it and i I noticed it's mentioned nginx is he installing nginx and lucy inside the same container or does he have an nginx container proxying to a lucy container because that seems unnecessary unless this was for production usage i don't know Um, i can't quite tell without stopping to read this post a bit more slowly yeah i mean very yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he actually had a whole series of doing Vue.js with Symphony and Docker and TDD. And so this is basically the CFML version of it. And so, you know, he wants to look at using Forgebox and, and sort of see how that compares to Composer and NPM, you know, and then using Testbox, and then, you know, looking at using CF wheels um and so it's right i get that process. but that's not the question i asked
1: i, know. I was trying to figure out if he installed nginx in the same container i see his compose file here but all i see is lucy i'm trying i can't figure out where he has the nginx configuration actually in i don't know mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't use i don't use a different web server like for any local cold fusion stuff that i do the you know undertow is a super powerful web server this is built in the command box so Anything I need locally is just I start up command box and I let Undertow serve it. Um, so I was trying to figure out how he was arranging this, but yeah, I don't know. I can't quite tell where he has Nginx at in the stack.
0: Yeah, because I don't see it there either uh, in the, the notes there. So, so next, I need an Nginx container running. Yeah, maybe yeah, I mean, this is a little swarm.
1: this is for local development the last thing i would do is go through the trouble of starting up a separate local docker container with nginx just to proxy over to you know the http port on my on my lucy server but i'm not sure unless he has something specific to nginx that
0: he's using yeah but again i like the fact it's really detailed nice big walkthrough and that did help him find a a weirdness with lucy and that's the next blog post that he had and so this (laughs) one um is actually comes back more to um Tomcat configuration actually. So he was having weird stuff where, you know, depending on if it had an index.cfm and had extra path info after it versus other files, sometimes you'd get the path info variable showing information and sometimes you wouldn't. And basically, you know, the the comments are really where the gold is here, but essentially you have servlet mappings in, in Tomcat for Web uh, Lucy's Web XML. And you have the star.cfm and star.cfml or slash index.cfml. So basically, all these files, you know, they're all got one wildcard. And then uh, ColdFusion has the double wildcard because that special Tomcat configuration that they had. Um, And so basically, if you're wanting to use URL rewriting and and all those different things, you have to be aware of what's in your Lucy WebXML mapping. Do you want to hear the answer to this? Are Are you ready for it? I've said it to every blog
1: post. Are you ready to hear the answer? Sure command box solves this, Adam, this would not have been a problem if you had used command box. (laughs) So in command box, we have added a servlet filter into undertow that automatically reproduces the Adobe Adobe cold fusion double wildcard behavior. We fixed this like four years ago. So almost everything he's run into is because he didn't use command box. So so use command box, folks, that's the answer all these problems years ago for you.
0: <laughs> Done. Please,
3: everybody, send your <laughs> comments to brad at ordersolutions.com.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, that, that's, a, that's a good point, because even if you use if you use Lucy on any other servlet container, like like Tomcat, Jetty, you'll run into what Adam ran into, which is basically you can't do SDS rewrites in a subfolder. And that's the short answer. If you're, if you're in a subfolder, you can't do rewrites because you have to have two wildcards, or you have to set up a servlet, one for each one, but yeah, we solved this like four or five years ago in command box. And because a Cold Fusion users are used to it just working out of the box because JRun and then but later on the custom hacked up version of Tomcat
0: it has supports the double wild card, whereas the, the serverless spec doesn't technically support that. Yeah, I know that's been a pain point for a lot of people moving from Adobe to Lucy. So but you're right, command box does fix it. So that. when they use command box, it just works. So long story short. Use command box.
3: Again, brad at ordersolutions.com. Send your mail there. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay.
0: He reroutes that to the (laughs) trash. And then, uh, so, I have a couple other blog posts we have in the show notes, but we covered them in the news. So, Pete Freitag's um, Java disabling support for the TLS v1 and v1.1, and also the new um, Adobe technical evangelist, Mm Mark Tentacata. So... With that, we finally went through the blog posts. So let's go <laughs> to find a job and there's none this week. So <laughs> uh, there's still quite a few from previous weeks, but short and sweet. So Brad, let's talk about the Forgebox module of the Week. And this is one that you actually released.
1: Um, you know, it is. It's incredibly simple, but I found myself in the position of having wrote some code a while ago. Um, just a simple CFC in command box to allow um, command box to talk to fusion reactor to the Frappy, the fusion reactor API. Uh, Luis wanted to call this Frappuccino, the sort of Frappy SDK. I um, think we should. <laughs> we should. <laughs> it can be the unofficial name. Um, but anyway, I, I had written the CFC just to kind of encapsulate the the fusion reactor integrations. Actually, no. I first wrote the C the first version of the CFC in test box to encapsulate whether or not fusion reactor was present. Anyway, it worked as a version of it worked its way into command box and I'd handed it out to a couple of different clients who wanted to be able to track custom transactions or customize the transaction name. And I was about to you know copy and paste the file into to another client and I was like, you know what, this CFC deserves to just like be a package out there in Forgebox. And then people can just install it from there, and they can have one place to send fixes. Because I'd gotten to the point where I added a feature to it, I'd have to go paste that in like the six different places. I, you know, I I toss that CFC into the the Stomp over REST, uh, no, REST over Stomp uh, module also had a copy of the CFC in it. So anyway, if you're a Fusion Reactor user and you want to be able to track custom transactions in your code, which is a pretty cool, easy to do thing, or you want to be able to customize the transaction name. Um, which is, you know, if, if you have a little homegrown framework, everything might just be index.cfm, but you can set a custom transaction name that's more meaningful to you. It shows up in the Fusion Reactor UI. Uh, this CFC just gives you a really simple um, uh, interface to do that with, and uh, it automatically detects a Fusion Reactor is installed and it just becomes a no-op otherwise. And uh, James Moberg already asked me on, on Twitter about adding some additional functionality to it, and I told him, Send a pull request. I don't I think that would be great if there's something else that it, you know, you want to add to it. Because the 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 Java API that Fusion Reactor exposes is fairly um you know broad on the functionality it has. And I only have a small fraction of it added here. But anyway, that's your module of the week. You can like read this like one CFC with like 50 lines of code. You can just skim through it, um, read the comments. Uh, there's a README that shows you how to use it. Also, it can be used outside of Wirebox and Coldbox. It's into such a simple CFC. If you want to use it on a legacy app, just use Create Object on it and it'll work fine.
0: Cool. It just shows how easy ForgeBox is, and when you copy paste code quite a bit, you get the those pain points, right, Brad? You don't want to have to maintain them in five different places. So use ForgeBox, use package manager with command box. <laughs> so cool. Okay, so that is our Forgebox module of the week. Next up, we have our VS Code, hint, tip, and trick of the week. And this is one I'd never heard of before, but Eric pointed it out to me. So Eric, you want to tell us a little bit about Waka Time?
3: Waka Time. That's W-A-K-A, Time. So Waka Time is a plugin for VS Code, but that plugin syncs to a service whose goal it is to track all of your... Um, programming metrics. So we're talking about how long you've been coding. It's it's tracking the time you're actually typing. It does it for per file, branch, project, language. Um, it, it works in there's hundreds of integrations with different IDEs, GitLab, GitHub. Um, there's a Microsoft Word one, which is crazy to me. But anyway, no. um, there is a free tier, which is basically you get two weeks of your data. Um, so it's the Slack for ver- the Slack tier. Um, and um, I use it just because I find it interesting. Like every week, I'll get an email and said, "Hey, you coded, you know, sixty percent of your time in CFML and ten percent in in CSS and fifty in JavaScript or something." I know that those percentages didn't add up. Don't worry about it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you can sign up for free, hook in VS Code to here, and see what languages you're ty- you're coding in most. It could also help you if you're trying to figure out where your time went that that week, especially if your uh, Git commits are a little small. You can see, oh, I spent you know six hours on this one feature, and then I finally made one commit. That was a crappy day, or you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, metrics, insights, time tracking, a walk of time
0: very cool. Well, before we do our Patreon thank you, I just wanted to give a reminder to everyone who's watching right now, listening right now that we have our 100th episode raffle. So, we have a link in the show notes that goes to a Google form with five orders trivia questions you can get the answers from the orders website. If you get all those right, you go in the into the draw basically to win five of our Box Life swag packages. And so, uh, if you are watching right now, and you get it done today then you guys can actually go into the draw for two of them and so exclusive little group for those who watch us on YouTube we appreciate you coming in here and heckling us in the chat and uh, correcting us when we're wrong uh, yeah we're talking about you Charlie uh, and everybody else <laughs> but uh, also uh, those listening you have until next Tuesday before we record the next episode to get your entries in to win the remaining packages so um The link is in the chat for those watching and we'll have in the show notes. But uh, don't forget to to sign up for that. And then uh, we'll be sending you out some good packages. So hopefully we'll have the winners in next week's episode. Okay, Luis is on you now to thank our Patreon supporters.
3: All right. Well, thank
2: you, everybody, for supporting us. Uh, I can assure you that um, we definitely take advantage of and squeeze every penny uh, into all the initiatives that we have. Uh, so we can offer a lot of things as, as open source and a professional open source. So thank you very much. And remember that the bronze packages, uh, gets you all our SAS subscriptions included, uh, as well as other goodies. So thank you for supporting us. So should I go off and read all the names? Is that what you want me to do?
0: Yep. Let's hear it. The all Latino right. Latino style.
2: <laughs> Latino style. Don Benemy, Eric Hoffman, David Belanger, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez. Jonathan Peret, Mario Rodríguez, Jeffrey McGee, John Wilson, Yogesh Matur, Joseph Lamoury, Ben Nadal, Nadeo, Nadel, en español, Ben Nadel, Bernardo, Nadel, Brett DeLine, Carbon Stetten, Charlie Earhart, Dan Card, Daniel García, Didier Lesniki, Edgardo Cabezas, Jan Janek, Jason Tiger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Jerickson, Jordan Clark, Kai Cooney, Lakshma, Tir Tohari, Leon Seremelis, Leon, Matthew Badarbi, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbach, Stephanie Monge, and Steven Klopp.
0: Awesome. I like how you just add a couple of extra World syllables Cup. in there just for fun. It's <laughs> the Latino the way.
2: Cup, reading, a line, reading the lineup of a World Cup match
0: yeah for sure but uh yeah so thanks everybody for tuning in to our hundredth episode uh now we gotta start planning for our two hundredth episode <laughs> at least we got a little time for that but uh yeah it'll be here before you know it yep so thanks <laughs> everybody for joining us today we got a uh, four four hosts today so that was a little special too but uh yeah yeah, it's been a it's been fun hosting. I enjoy it. It makes me keep up on all the news out there too. So you know, it's a good experience, and uh, it's always fun chatting with everybody every week, especially everybody in the chat. We appreciate it. Hi, Hi folks. Adios. Uh, have a good one, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye, right. bye, guys. Bye. bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.